0: Let us look at a passage that's familiar to you, and it's from Luke chapter 15. We're going to read the whole chapter because there is really no place you can cut this off. This is a series of parables here that all go together. We're going to talk about the prodigal son, we're going to talk about the lost sheep, and we're going to talk about the lost coin. There's a lot of people that talk about the, the prodigal son parable and just saying this is talking about a person rededicating his life. But whenever you look at all three of these parables together, you see that they have one main point. And it talks about how God calls his people to him. And it talks about this young uh, prodigal was really someone who was a lost person. There's a picture of that. But the main point of this parable is this. It is about the religious snooty people That looked down upon those who were craving to hear a fresh word of God from Jesus Christ. That's the main point in all three of these parables. Anyway, I want to read to you from Luke chapter 15. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. then over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And he said... He went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough to eat, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. Now, his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked him what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I may celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you're always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this. Your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Well, some of you may remember this story simply because it happened just four years ago and it happened right here in Russ County. He was 54 years old at the time. His name was Christopher Terry, but he went by Bubba T. And uh, Bubba T is autistic had lived with his mother until she died. I don't know who he was living with at the time. But Bubba T was told to take out the garbage one Wednesday night, and for some reason or another, he got all fuzzed up about that, and he took off, and he disappeared, and the search was on. Not only law enforcement, but also local citizens were looking for Bubba T because everybody in Kilgore, it seemed, knew Bubba T. Because if you wanted to look for him during football season on a Friday night, he would be watching the Kilgore Bulldogs play. That was his great love. But they searched for him all Wednesday night and they couldn't find him. They searched for him all day long Thursday and they still couldn't find him. And then Friday morning, the search began again. But there was, I think it was a sheriff's deputy that was out in the parking lot of the Purdle Methodist Church, and here comes Bubba T. And he was crying. He was afraid. He was afraid because he thought he was in trouble. He was scared. He said he knew he was going to have to go to jail now. But they hugged him and they said, no, you've got to get ready to go to the football game tonight. So nobody's going to put you in jail And that night, he showed up at the football game. And, you know, on any other Friday night football game, there would be people come up and say, Hey, Bubba T, or they'd pat him on the rump or pat him on the back or shake his hand or something like this. But it wasn't so on that Friday night because he had never had a standing ovation of people cheering before. Why? Well, he was lost and he was found. And it was the best news that some people had heard in a long time. We're going to talk about a fellow that got lost, and then he got found, and that's good. And so our passage here talks about a time when Jesus was teaching, and he usually kind of got crossways with the religious elite there in Jerusalem. You know, they said, you know, this man goes and, and said he he eats with sinners. And he he spends time with sinners, is what they would say, and they didn't like that. You see, to them, a sinner didn't have to be a thief, or a robber, or a killer, or anything like that. A sinner could just be someone whose job made him ritually unclean. In other words, if you had a job tanning hides, you were going to be unclean. It was going to be a long time before you could ever get cleaned up again. I mean, if you went to the wrong place or if you decided to, instead of uh, having a piece of a leg of lamb to eat, you decided to have pork chops, that made you unclean because you just ate from an unclean animal. And so all of these things made you unclean. And these people were really concerned about that and they really believed That by pointing out the fact that Jesus received sinners, these so-called sinners, and ate with them, that he was a fake and a fraud as far as teaching God's word to them. These so-called sinners were flocking to hear what Jesus said. Oddly enough, these religious professionals were not having much of a crowd because he, he was not feeding them anything. Anyway... Whenever they made that accusation to Jesus, Jesus said, well, let's put it this way. He said, what man of you that is here, if he has a hundred sheep, which would have been a a normal size herd of sheep for a person back then, if he has a hundred of them and he gets ready to pin them up for the night... And he counts them off and comes up with 99. What is he going to do? Well, the natural thing that he's going to do is he's going to leave these 99 behind. And he's going to go looking until he finds that one sheep that's strayed off. And when he finds it, he's going to grab it. and He's going to put it on his shoulders. And he's going to carry it back. And whenever he gets back to civilization, he's going to call on his friends and say, Guys, I found it. I found the sheep that was lost. It's time for us to celebrate or he said what woman if she has 10 silver coins and these silver coins would have been kind of like a coin that would've been worth about like a day's pay and that could have been her entire lo- her life savings and she counts them up one day and finds out she has only nine and not ten. She said, what's she going to do? She's going to get to work. She's going to light a candle or she's going to light a lamp. She's going to get out a broom and she's going to start sweeping the house and get all the breadcrumbs off the floor or whatever else she can find. And she's going to look until she finds that one glint of silver and she's going to pick it up and she's going to tell all of her neighbors. She said, I found the coin that I've been looking for. It's time to celebrate. Y'all come over later today and we're going to have coffee and a... Uh, Pound cake, or something like that. But he said, and Jesus said, in the very same way, there is more rejoicing over just one sinner who repents and comes back than there is over a hundred people who think they don't need to repent. And then he tells them another parable. And he said, there was a certain man that had two sons. And the younger one decided that there were greener pastures away from living with the old man. And he told his dad, he said, I want you to give me my share of the inheritance and I want it right now. Now get this, back then, and this was just Jewish law and Jewish tradition, that if you were a man, or if you were a boy child and you were growing up, if you were the oldest boy in the family, your amount that you would receive as an inheritance would be a double share. Let's say that there were four people, five boys in the family, or four boys in the family. The oldest one would get a double share. In other words, he'd get twice as much as all the rest of them would. If there were two in the family, it would work out this way. The oldest one would get two shares. The youngest one, the younger one, he would get one share. That's the way that it would work. But you had to wait for your old man to die before that happened. Well, this was this young fella. He wasn't ready for. He wasn't going to wait for daddy to kick off. He decided that he was going to go in and get his share right then. And so he asked for it, but he wasn't going to be able to get a third. He was get on, going to get only a half of a third, which is a sixth. So he he. The father said, "Okay." And so, the guy got what he had and he took off and he went into a far country and he spent all of his money on cheap prostitutes and cheap gin. And that was what he did and pretty soon he ran out of money, he didn't have anything left. And then he decided I got to do something to make a living and he got a job feeding hogs. Which was a really degrading thing for a Jewish young man to have to do. Whenever there was a famine that hit the land, he didn't have much to eat. Actually, he probably wasn't making much feeding hogs. And he was so hungry that he could have eaten the junk that he was feeding to the hogs. And nobody would give him anything. And he got to thinking, you know, what am I doing here? You know, I'm I'm wasting my time. I'm letting my life run away. He said, and by the way, how many, how many servants does my dad have working for him? And they have all they want to eat and then some. He had this bright idea. I'll go back home and I will apply to be hired out by my old dad and maybe he will give me a job. That's all I ask for. And he goes back and the father saw him from ways off and he ran to him and he threw his arms around him and began kissing him. And the young man said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. And he was going to say, make me as one of your servants. But the father cut him off before he got to that. And the father started barking out orders to the servants. He said, quick, somebody get the best robe and put it on this. I want this fellow to look like my son. And put some shoes on his feet. I don't want him to look like a slave. And put a ring on his finger. I want him to look like he has some authority around here. And by the way, that calf that we were fattening up for the 4th of July picnic, going to kill it right now. We are going to barbecue and we are going to celebrate. And then they started their celebration. And they were singing and they were dancing and they were eating barbecue, I guess. And the uh, older brother starts coming back from the fields and he hears the noise going on. He wondered what was being celebrated. It was singing and dancing and having a good time. He goes up to one of the servants and he said, what's going on? And the servant said, well, your baby brother has come back home and your father has had the fatted calf killed and we're having a dance and we're having a big time. And the father comes out and tells the servant, the big brother tells the servant, I'm not going to go in there. I don't want to have anything to do with that. And then the father comes out and urges him to come out and he said, no way. He said, all these years I've been growing up and living here under your thumb and I have never broken your commandments and you've never even given me a kid goat so that I could cook it and eat it and have my friends over. No, I'm not coming over. But this sorry son of yours that spent your money chasing wild women has come back and what do you do you kill the fatted calf for him no i'm not coming back now once again jesus sums it up and he says father said but he said son you're always with me and all that is mine is yours it was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive and he was lost once again there's more rejoicing in heaven when one sinner repents than when a hundred people think that they don't need to repent. Let's talk about this just real quickly. I know that I need to go fast. I want to think about, well, number one, just this idea of a seeking Savior in here. Jesus had said at one time that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that is lost, and you better be glad that he came to seek and to save, because we don't naturally seek him. The scripture tells us in Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to our own way. The scripture says in Romans chapter 3, no one seeks God. Why? Because we are by nature against seeking God. Listen, why do we not seek God? I will tell you this, and this is just sums it up very succinctly. We don't seek God because we are sinners by nature. And sin makes you stupid. In other words, it blocks your thinking to where you think you have a better idea than the Creator of the universe has, and so understand that sin is not going to make you any brighter. And what we see here is this: is that by when whenever we look at the scriptures, like in in Matthew chapter five, uh, chapter seven, and you can read in there that uh, that very well known passage where it talks about that where Jesus says to look for the for the the straight gate or the narrow gate in chapter 7 verse 13 Jesus says enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way for the great gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many for the gate is narrow and the way is hard for that that leads to life and those who find it are few notice something who has to find the gate those that are looking for the narrow gate. You don't have to find the road to hell. You don't have to look for it, buddy. You're on it already until you repent and turn to God. We're not going to seek God. He's going to seek us, and you better be glad that he did. You know, Jesus draws the sinful, and he draws the lowly, and sometimes he draws us in many different ways. I've got a friend, and I realize these things are put on whatever it is streaming, And if my friend listens to this, I don't think he'll mind me telling this story because I remember him telling it to me, and I don't think he was trying to keep it private, but he was just telling me about what God had done in his life. I remember whenever I moved to Mount Enterprise, it wasn't long before I saw a guy named Rodney, and he'd be pushing this beat-up lawnmower down the street with a one-gallon gas can on there and a cigarette in his mouth, and he was just always waving, smiling. I always liked Rodney. Rodney didn't have much. You could tell that he didn't. And he was just doing what he could, but Rodney had had a lot of problems with the law. And he told me, he said, jo, he said one time I was sitting in a jail cell with a bunch of others. Rodney was probably about 50 years old at the time. And he said, these guys that were in the cell with me, they were just a bunch of young toughs. And he said, they thought they were really bad. And he said, I got to listening to him and I realized that that's the way I used to be. That's the way that I used to think. And he said, I'm tired of this type of living. And he repented, and he turned to Christ. Now you can see him at just about any Sunday at New Prospect Baptist Church. A jail cell caused, is the way that Jesus sought him out. For some of you, it could be a funeral of a relative that after it was over with, you, got, you came home and think, I need to get my life right with God. I've known more than one person that that's happened to For me, it was just a bolt out of the blue whenever I was driving back to my dormitory room one night. I never was even thinking about God at the time. The only thing I'd thought was, why would that little old man say, son, do you go to church? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm a Baptist. (laughs) You know, I thought that settled it. But God wouldn't let me go. And I'm glad that we have a seeking Savior. Let me tell you something. If you are starting to seek him, it's because he tagged you first. And he's calling you and if you know that you need to be right with god today he's calling you and he's calling you to come to him there's another thing we see in here is about a celestial celebration i like this where jesus said that there is rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repents you know i th- i think it was this evangelist angel martinez that said this in one of his sermons He said there's three times in the Bible that it talks about the angels singing. In Job, I think it's chapter 38, it talks about the angels singing whenever whenever God created the worlds. And in Luke chapter 2, we read about the angels singing on the night that Jesus was born. And then we read about this, the angels singing and shouting and celebrating in heaven every time a sinner repents it's hard for me to take that in. You think about this, you know, why are they rejoicing? Well, because there's a lot to rejoice about. Sinners were reborn, sin was forgiven, and another name was added to the rolls of the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that something? And ultimately what is being celebrated is the grace of God in saving these sinners. Think about this, a lot of times we have this idea of heaven in which we go and we, we sit on, in our little cabin on the hilltop somewhere, and we sit there and just kind of watch the world go by and play dominoes with grandma and grandpa. From what I can understand from this passage, it's a pretty noisy place because you get to thinking about the rejoicing that's going on that every time a sinner repents, the rejoicing that went on whenever you repented, Whenever you read about our God, it sounds like God can get pretty raucous himself. Where it says in Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 17 that he rejoices over us with singing. Isn't that amazing? In other words, God is not very passive whenever we repent. And he he welcomes us and he's glad. Just like that father did. When he saw his son coming, he ran to him. Matter of fact, I think that was another thing that Angel Martinez said. This is the only time where God is depicted as running. (laughs) Then another thing we see here is this regal reception. The prodigal, you know, he was received with a grand manner. He was not received as a runaway slave, but he was received as a son that was beloved and honored. That's the idea with the robe. That was something that the son, a son of an estate owner would wear. The ring had to do with authority. The sandals had to do with something that a, a free man would wear. Understand this is that, that God, whenever he saves us, he does it in a regal way. As a matter of fact, there's a passage here. Think about this in Romans chapter 8, where it says this, starting in verse 15. It says, for you did not receive the spirit of Get this, God does not save us to put, it back, put us back into another form of bondage. He saves us to make, his, make us his sons, heirs, with, heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you what, that puts you pretty high up on the list. And so, you know, this is the type of a reception that we have. And I know that there's some people that want to run away from God because they think, well, I don't want to have a life that's so restricted that it's not any fun anymore. Well, let me tell you something. It's whenever you come to God that your chains are taken off and you're set free because we become not slaves again, but we become heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And then we see this thing about a forgotten grace As we said before, these parables were aimed at the legalistic Pharisees. They held sinners in contempt. These sinners were what they would call the riffraff of society. I remember one time that there was one, it was a deacon at a church where he did not like one family that had joined. I mean, these folks were poor people. They had led a rough life. One of them had done a lot of things that he shouldn't have ever done. And whenever they joined the church, the husband couldn't even read and his wife could barely read. They just didn't have much. And ever so often, this man would want to get up and testify about something. But there was one deacon that didn't like that and he referred to them as that bunch of riffraff that joined our church. Well, well, the thing about it is, is I think that God was more pleased with what the riffraff was saying than what that deacon was saying. What was the problem of these Pharisees? Was well, the problem that we see with some people that just are more religious than they are godly? The Pharisees viewed the kingdom of God as is something that operated on the principle of justice. It doesn't, because if it operated on the basis of justice, we would all be fried. Okay. Yep. It operates on the basis of grace. You say, well, I, I, I believe in law and order. Well, I do too, because I'm going to tell you something. When Jesus died for us on the cross and was raised from the dead through faith, we've been justified. That's where the justice was taken care of. But listen, folks through Jesus Christ, we can understand God's mercy. His kingdom is based on grace, not justice. These men couldn't understand that they needed grace just as much as any of the sinners. I don't care who you are. I don't care how nice you've been. I don't care if you've never cheated on your income tax or that you've never said any bad words or looked at any bad movies or anything like that. It doesn't make any difference. You're still a sinner. We're all sinners. And what you need is Jesus Christ. What we all need is Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you something. Has your name ever come up and cause rejoicing to occur in heaven? If it hasn't, today would be a good day to ring the bells, don't you think? Let's pray together. Our Father, now, we pray that you would... Let your word sink deep into our hearts today and sink deep into our minds. We thank you for your grace. We thank you, Lord, for sending your son. We thank you, Lord, for all your goodness that you show us. Lord, we can't deserve any of this. Lord, we're thankful that when we weren't looking for you, you went looking for us. We pray that you would cause us to hear your call clearly today. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.